Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity may contain explicit and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster Rebecca Adams and are not based on the advice of a licensed therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Human lives follow many paths, presenting twists and turns and choices never planned, never expected. Temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness all can lead a person to a mistake they can't take back. Facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. These are the voices of women who have chosen to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. This is Rebecca, your host and the creator of this uh, controversial podcast. My voice sounds a little out of uh, whack because I just finished recording my last Patreon to where I absolutely threw a fit. I was just angry and frustrated, and I still am, regarding judgment overall of people. Infidelity. Both women and men alike have found themselves in situations where they have become unfaithful to their spouse or partner. On the podcast, Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity, you hear stories from women who have been unfaithful, but want to share their stories to help others in similar situations or to help other people understand why sometimes infidelity happens. But there is still so much more. How does a man cope when he finds out that his wife, girlfriend, or partner has cheated? What are the reasons why a man chooses to cheat? Are they similar to why a woman does? Or maybe you are the other man or the other woman in a relationship. I asked her later why she didn't tell me she liked the kind of sex she had with him. She said it was novel for the first couple times, but she swore she didn't like what he was doing. I'm not sure I believed it. Why keep going back? I'm sure in hindsight she feels that way now, but I never got over the nagging doubt that she enjoyed the sex with him more than me. I also never got over the feeling that she looked back at what they did and with good memories. He was bigger than me, in better shape, younger, and the sex was new. I never got over that. Again, she swears she looks at it with disgust, but who knows? Why would she ever admit it? To hear the rest of this story and other stories like this, please visit the website rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com and click on the Patreon link. For a $3 a month pledge, you will get access to these additional episodes, as well as early access to regularly released episodes. If you have a story that you would like to be considered for a future podcast, please email rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. All submissions will always be anonymous. And always remember, no judgment. I'm going to just hop right into today's story. It is a long one, and it is by Marissa. 
And I met this gal online a while back, and we've chatted a lot, and a lot of things have happened in her life. And she finally was able to get her thoughts down on paper, and she sent over her story. So we will get started on that. It's always been told to me that my life could be written as a Lifetime movie miniseries. And trying to explain all the twists and turns and have it fit into a single podcast episode is going to be a challenge. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents are still married to this day. 50 years and still going strong. Divorce was something that was not acceptable. You take your vows seriously. Unless infidelity has been committed against you, to divorce was a sin and getting past the pearly gates, you would not. I was brought up to believe this, and to this day, I still do, even though my story may make you think otherwise. My story began in 1995, just two weeks after my 18th birthday. I married a man five years my senior. I had met Mike through a friend. I wasn't really attracted to him, but he was real kind and very caring, He thought of my feelings and put me first in most situations. I say most situations because being that he was five years older and having been married twice before, he was the father of two beautiful girls. Naturally, they came first as I would expect any good father to do for his children. Although I had a very good childhood, two wonderful parents and never wanted for anything at all, by the time I turned 17, I was more than ready to leave that household. Not because my mother or father, but because of my older brother. He had a serious drug addiction. Unfortunately, his addiction had caused my mother a nervous breakdown and was hospitalized for a long period of time. My father, being the saint that he is and staying true to his vows, stood beside my mother through sickness and also in health never leaving her side while in the hospital other than to work. Sadly for me, I was left unattended at home with an addict, older brother, that was coming off of his high, would like to take his anger and rage out on me. Mike was beginning to look more and more attractive day by day. He would become someone that I would eventually confide in and talk with. He would comfort me when I was down and also rescue me when my brother was in a rage, and I didn't want to place more worry on my father. After all, didn't he have enough on his plate already? The more I confided in Mike and the closer we became, he eventually asked me just to move in with him. By this time, I was beginning to realize that he was loving me for more than just a friend. He wanted this to go to the next level. My heart was actually still with my first love, William. I had met him a year before, but knowing he was not right for me, I decided to end it. I had regretted that decision and never really knew how to mend it, nor did I ever try. Mike knew I would soon be turning 18 and had nothing to stop me from moving out and in with him. However, there was something stopping me, my morals. I explained to him that I could not and would not ever move in with a man unless I was married to him, so that option was off the table. As I say this to him, I am thinking back in my mind, surely that will scare him away. 
what man in his right mind that has already been married twice really go for a third time after just recently getting divorced? Keep in mind, I cared for Mike, but on a friendly level. As I stated earlier, my heart was still with William, and deep down, I knew this. Having morals didn't even slow Mike down, nor did he even have the time to think about his next statement. Much to my surprise, he says, well, marry me then. I was speechless. I didn't want to hurt his feelings. I did care for him. I loved him even, but not like that. He did care for me in ways that William never did, and he was a wonderful provider. I didn't immediately say yes, nor did I say no. I told him I had to think about it. It took only one more fit of rage from my addict brother for me to make up my mind. That very night, I called Mike and asked him if the offer was still on the table. Soon thereafter, we were setting a wedding date, two weeks after my 18th birthday. As I walked down the aisle of that church, family and friends all standing and smiling at the blushing bride, my father in tears because he is about to give his baby girl away. In my heart, I was running in the opposite direction, praying for some force of nature to make this wedding stop. With each step, it became more and more real. I was about to say vows in this church before God and everyone, and I can't say wholeheartedly that I mean them. I know I don't mean them under my breath. I prayed to God this wedding wasn't real. As we kneeled and the minister prayed over the united couple, I said my own prayer. I prayed that when I opened my eyes, the man that I loved, William, would be the one facing me and not this complete stranger. I knew I was only marrying him to get out of my house. I knew it was wrong, but I so badly wanted it to be right. After the vows were said and sealed with a kiss, the photos began to snap. There was not one wedding picture that had a smiling or blushing bride. You could see the disgust in every photo. I didn't see it then, but looking back now, I can see it so clearly. Just like that, barely 18 years old and I was an instant wife to a man of which I was not in love with and a new stepmother to a five and two-year-old. Life just became real. Being a strong believer in Christ and placing all faith in Him, I had prayed that He could place the love in my heart for my husband that should be there instead of this other man that I never had a chance to gain closure. My heart felt like a big empty hole. Something was missing. I knew all along it was William. But I thought maybe if I had a child of my own, it would somehow fill that void. One year later, I discovered I was pregnant with my first child. She was my everything. She did fill a void. She gave me happiness unlike I had ever felt before. It was forever she and I. We were buddies and gal pals. At the age of two, my little gal pals started forming words and sentences pretty well. She has always been a pretty smart kid. Living in a small town where everyone knows everyone and also knows their business, I made every attempt to stay as far as I could away from the areas where William could possibly be. After years of not seeing or hearing from him, I unexpectedly bump into him as I'm getting gas at the local store. 
He and I talked for what seemed like hours. My gal pal daughter took up with him right away. She instantly thought he hung the moon, as did her mother. My heart ached. It needed him. I missed him. How could I have married a man that I knew I was not in love with? I hated myself for the situation I had put myself in. I prayed about it. I needed God to take these thoughts from my head and feelings from my heart. It was destroying me from the inside out, and I knew I was headed in the wrong direction. It will only take me running into him one more time, and I will make a drastic decision for no good reason at all and end up sinning. I became a hermit, trying to stay away again from places William would not be tempted. I loved him. I was in love with him. I didn't trust myself to be alone with him. I felt guilty for even seeing and talking to him that day. I couldn't dare let Mike know I saw him. He would be so angry. My gal pal daughter that took up with William just loved repeating his name the entire rest of that night and the next day. I was mortified. Finally, she forgot about it, but I felt so ashamed for even talking to him because I knew I loved him and was in love with him. I had managed to not see him for several years, though he was always in my heart. Four years later, we had a surprise in the form of a baby boy. Again, it was another blessing, but this time was different. I was depressed and I was sad. I wanted out of this marriage even more so now than I did before. Nothing made me happy. I had managed not to see him for several years, though he was always in my heart. And four years later, we had a surprise in the form of a baby boy. Again, it was another blessing, but this time was different. I was depressed and I was sad. I wanted out of this marriage even more so now than I did before. Nothing made me happy. A year and a half later, the feelings for William could no longer be suppressed. I began to speak freely of how I felt. I couldn't help it. I loved him so much. The whole town knew us as a couple when we were teenagers. They knew our history and honestly couldn't believe we didn't end up together. I had to get away. I needed a girl's trip. I needed to not think about William or Mike or kids. I just needed to be me. My best friend and I scheduled a vacation to Las Vegas for a few days. I had made up my mind I was getting a divorce. I would tell him when I returned. I can't continue to lie to this man and tell him I am in love with him when I know I am not. Either way you look at it, it's a sin. If I divorce him, I'm sinning. If I continue to lie to him and have thoughts of this other man, I'm sinning. I needed to come clean. This was all too much for me to continue to carry. The day prior to leaving for our vacation, I found out I was pregnant for a third time. Unbelievable. I don't even recall having intercourse with him in the past five years. How is this even possible? I literally felt as if I lay next to my husband and I would wake up pregnant. We were not intimate at all, very rare. So rare I could count the times on fingers and toes. After giving birth to my third child, the depression was real. 
So real, I never even bonded with her. Even to this day, she and I don't really have a very good relationship. I love her with all of my heart, but those precious days after giving birth when a mother needs to bond with her baby, I was too busy crying and curled up in a ball, just wanting to give up on life altogether. My baby girl bonded with my mother. Seven months later, I told Mike I was not in love with him. I came clean. I told him I was still in love with William and that the love had never faded. I want a divorce. The divorce went smoothly. Now that you have a bit of history, here is where my entire life begins to take a whirlwind and uncontrollably spins. Being that I was just 18 when I got married and became an instant wife and mother of two, and before long a mother of five by the age of 26, it shouldn't be much a surprise that after my divorce, I lived it up. Fun was to be had seven days a week. I did not know more than one man existed. It was weird, though. Every man I met, I was always looking for a piece of William hidden deep within them. I was on the rebound, to say the least. The club life got old. The guilt was real. I wasn't raised this way. I wanted to be a loving wife to a man that I was in love with, and that was in love with me. I wanted to be a good mother to my babies and watch them grow. That's when I ran into an ex-boyfriend from high school. The relationship was rocky, he was controlling, he lied a lot, but somehow made me believe that he truly loved me. Until he didn't anymore. And I left him and started seeing someone else. He came to me and asked me to marry him. I said no. He begged and pleaded again, and somehow made me believe that he truly meant it. Six months later, he cheated on me with my best friend. He called my seven-year-old daughter derogatory names, placed my one-and-a-half-year-old daughter in the dryer because he lost his patience with her crying, and sat my four-year-old son on top of the refrigerator to scare him into staying still. I found myself at the attorney's office. This time there was no guilt to be had. He can do or say to me what he wishes, he crossed the line when he was evil to my children. I was out. While going through divorce number two, I met Alex. He is the sweetest person. He was caring, thoughtful, and helpful. He met my children and got along well with them. Within three months, he was moved into my house. Within a month of moving in, the abuse began. I'll not discuss much about him, as I was never married to him, although he did ask. God answered my prayers and he intervened one night and finally took him out of my life. Even though the horrible memories are still there and I do suffer from PTSD because of the abuse, God saw me through it and I came out alive. Don't ever ask an abused woman or man for that matter, why don't you just leave? You never know what that person has endured behind closed doors that keeps them in constant fear of leaving. Until you live it, you will never truly understand it. After being freed from the living hell of which took a year of my life, I had the lowest self-esteem. I lacked confidence. If someone told me I was pretty, I felt as though they were secretly making jokes about me. My friend told me I needed some time and to be pampered. 
I needed to get out and meet people, and she talked me into a trip to the salon, a new hairdo, and a night out for some drinks. That was the night I met him, Matthew. He was different, odd, but man, something about those dark, mysterious eyes just drew me in like a moth to a flame. I gave him my number that night. A few days later, he called. It didn't take long, and we were talking every day. He was easy to talk to. He understood me as I did him. For some strange reason, I felt comfortable telling him details of the abuse that I had recently endured. He knew I was afraid of sexual intercourse because of it. I could say anything to him, and he never judged me. I trusted him with my every secret. When I was with him, not one thought of William crossed my mind. As a matter of fact, this felt different than it did with William. Could it be I was falling in love unlike anything before? Had I just not really known what falling in love actually meant? Matthew ended up moving in with me at first as roommates. He had a son and he worked nights, so on the weekends he had a son. I helped him out with taking care of him and he helped me out with watching my daughter that was the same age as his son. My children liked him, never any friction. He was there during the day and I was there at night and we would visit together some on the weekends and catch up with each other's week and so on. Then one day it happened. He kissed me. I had never been kissed like that. Everything was completely different. I trusted him completely. We eventually went from roommates to a couple, then to married. I knew I could never trust having sex with anyone but him ever again. I didn't want to. Then the test happened. I was at the local car wash. I was vacuuming out my car when I heard someone shout out my name. Before looking up, I said to myself, No, please, no, please don't let it be William. I hear the shout of my name again. I look up and there he stands. William, arms open wide, coming at me ready for a hug. I was polite and spoke and gave him a friendly hug. He made the comment about how we should get together and have a couple of drinks sometime and catch up. And I politely agreed just having the conversation. Afterward, I went back to cleaning my car. I passed the test. All I had on my mind was Matthew. I didn't want William. I knew I loved Matthew. My heart was jumping for joy knowing I had finally got past that milestone. A couple of weeks later, I got a knock at the door. Much to my surprise, there stood William with a case of Bud Light and a smile ready to catch up on the good old days. He told me he loved me and how he wanted me back and how us being apart just felt so wrong. I confessed my love for him over the years and how I never stopped loving him and that I would always love him. Then he came in for a kiss. I asked him to leave. I explained to him that even though I loved him, even now, that does not mean it's a ticket to do the wrong thing. I reminded him of Matthew and my love for him. I reminded him of how Matthew was there for me and picked me back up and put me back together when I had fallen to pieces. I told him, as long as I have wanted that moment, that kiss to happen, I will not allow it to go any further. I explained to him, if it was meant to happen, then it will, in time. 
It may not be my time, or this time, but in God's time. If it is the right time, then it'll happen. He left that night, and I did not see or hear from him for another year. He began to call me, and he kept it friendly, and told me how he respected me for the way I handled things that night, and it made him love me that much more. He said he did not want to lose contact. He said that he wanted and needed me in his life, and if that meant having me as just a friend, then that was better than not having me at all. He even came over several times and met Matthew and had dinner and talked and hung out. At that point in our lives, William and I had the best friendship that we have ever had. It had finally matured and grew into what it should have been all along. A year into the marriage to Matthew, something changed in him. He became full of anger, full of rage. I did not understand what I was doing to upset him. He stopped opening up to me, shut me out completely. I had wondered if he may have been jealous of the friendship with William, and when I asked, he said no. We had agreed that it would be best for him to go stay with his best friend until he got his anger under control because of the children. It was during that time when I received a phone call from my mother of the 18-year-old girl he had been having an affair with. He had taken her virginity. He was in his 30s, and she had just recently turned 18 when they started the affair. She was his boss's daughter. Naturally, when I found this out, I ran to the next person that I could trust and talk to. I ran to William. While I was there, Matthew called. He then accused me of having an affair with William, perhaps trying to make himself feel better about what he had done. Who knows? I was in disbelief. How could he have done this to me? Here I go again, a third divorce. It's at this point I'm wondering what on earth is wrong with me. Why can I not find a good man? Then I chalked it up to just being my punishment for divorcing my first husband for no good reason. What else could it be, right? Here I am, hitting the club again. This time only because my friend didn't want to go out alone that night. As far as myself, I couldn't care less if I laid eyes on another male species as long as I lived. Turned out, she asked me to be her wingman, if you will. There is a guy she's interested in, and the only way he will talk to her is if her friend, me, will come talk to his friend. Well, cut to the chase and make a long story short here, I was drunk that night that I met him. I really didn't like him. I was doing my friend a favor. I was drunk when I said yes because I felt sorry for him, and I also had to get drunk in order to say I do. However, I did then, and about a year later, I just couldn't anymore, so I didn't. I made myself a promise to never walk back into that club again because it seemed like every time I did, I ended up married. I decided I would just hang out with William. He and I turned the clock back and relived some good old days and rekindled that old flame. After so many years of wishing for just one more time of intimacy with him, it was just so much better in my mind than in real life. Nonetheless, we carried out the fling for the summer on and off. It was just something to do and kept us both out of trouble as we already felt like a married couple that fought all the time anyway. We just had the advantage of having a second house to go to. One summer evening, I was invited over to Williams for a cookout. 
I accepted the invite and made myself at home as usual. This time he had some other company. There was another man there. He introduced himself. He was Ryan. After talking with Ryan for a bit, we realized we had known each other for a while. I had met Ryan the same night I met William. I was just so into William I never paid attention to Ryan. Until that night, that is. It wasn't long after that cookout at William's house where Ryan and I reconnected and we were spending more and more time together. William called me over one day out of the blue and asked me if I had intentions of having sexual relations with Ryan since they were best friends and all and he felt as if he should be the first to know. I explained to him that that was actually none of his business, whether it happens or not, and that he really shouldn't be concerned if it does, as he and I were not a couple. We were two friends that sometimes got together for fun because we were comfortable with each other, and nothing more. Apparently, that was not the right thing to say. I guess he expected me to remind him of how much I loved him. Instead, I reminded him of the amount of chances and opportunities he had to be back with me and committed to me 100%, yet he never jumped on that chance. He was more concerned about his playground getting messed up should Ryan and I start a relationship. He apologized for being greedy and ultimately gave his blessing to his best friend to date me. Three months later, we were married. My children adored him. They even called him dad. He was the most stable thing they had had in their lives since their father left years before. I have finally made the right decision. A year into the marriage, I picked up the laptop to do some work and Ryan still had his Facebook messenger pulled up. There it was, plain as the nose on my face and the words I was reading. I could not believe what he had typed. He did not want to be married to me, and he made a mistake, and he was telling her how beautiful she was, and how he wanted to take her when he saw her. My world came crashing down. Something in me broke. I never recovered from that, no matter how hard I tried. I contemplated another divorce. This time I just couldn't. Those babies love him too much. He is dad to them. They love him. I can't put them through that again, and they sure wouldn't understand why. I tried ignoring what he had done and the damage he had caused to my heart. I did good for a while. I came back to a degree, but never to where I was in the beginning. I never trusted him like I had before, not after seeing that. Three years later, I discovered an app on his phone, Kick. He had been having online relationships with women all over the U.S., nude photos of him and nude photos of women back and forth. He had even gone as far as to actually try setting up a meeting in Wyoming. Luckily, I discovered him doing this beforehand. But in the back of my mind, I will always wonder, how many do I not know about? Then there was Instagram, the online relationships there. This went on and on, three years in total. The topper of the cake was the night I watched him with my own two eyes fondle and feel up another woman right in front of me and the woman's husband. Then he denied it, denied it for two years. After each incident, I wanted to leave as I feel as if it were justified. He begged me to stay. He said to me, what will my mom, your parents, everyone think if you tell them what I did? 
I promised that I would not smear his good name, and he promised me he would remain off social media because he did not know how to behave while on there. I kept my promise, and to this day, I've kept a secret. His name is still golden in that small town, and he is still treated like royalty as if he does nothing wrong. My children think he is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Deep down, I know he is a miserable, womanizing, and drunken piece of shit, yet I am the bad person because of my infidelity. My name is Marissa. I am 43 years old, and I cheated on my husband. After he repeatedly had online relationships with other women and fondled another woman right before my eyes, I was neglected due to a group of men with beards when we should have spent that valuable time mending a broken marriage. I begged and pleaded with him to do things just for me and him. It fell upon deaf ears. It came to a point where I only existed in a house. I went to work and came to that house just to sleep. I wasn't needed. My children didn't even need me, not as long as they had Ryan. He could do it all. All the while, I had to keep his secret and could not explain to them the reason why it was so unbearable for me to remain in that house. The depression became deeper and deeper. The thoughts of suicide were about to overcome the logical thinking I had to get out. I had connected with a friend from high school who also suffered from depression. He was someone that understood. He didn't judge me. He was a Christian. He has the same beliefs. Though he too had been through a rough divorce a few years back, he was still struggling and adjusting to being a single man. When you want to be a good husband or wife, it's so hard to go single and feel as though you fit in. We had not seen each other in years. Conversation was mostly messages. It was time to meet face to face. The anticipation was too much. When I saw him, I loved him. I was in love with him, and for whatever reason it may have been, I knew in my heart that God brought us together and knew that we needed each other so badly. We needed to pick each other up. It was an instant attraction. There was no second thought to an affair. As bad as it sounds, I never felt guilty for it. I knew I had left that marriage the moment I read the words a year into it. That was the day he broke something inside me that could never be repaired. Kyle changed that. He mended that brokenness. We are both broke and we are both mending together. When the affair was made known, things changed. Obviously, I had already moved out and divorce was in process. My son, he wanted to stay behind and live with the man that he has come to call dad after all of these years. As bad as it hurts to feel as though my son chose Ryan over his own mother, I try to keep in mind that he is grown with a full-time job and he has the right to live wherever he wishes. I try not to be bitter about it. Instead, I just pray that he keeps on the right path, stays in church, and will get a place of his own soon and not have that much influence from Ryan, if there is any. My son sends me a message each morning and tells me he loves me. That is what keeps me going. My girls, on the other hand, I have tried in every way possible reaching out to them and trying to mend the brokenness. I know it hurt them when I moved away. I moved out of state with Kyle as he had the better job and mine was easier to give up. This move didn't hurt the children. 
I did it more so for me. Knowing what Ryan did and for how long he did it, I was the fool and I stayed for so long. I felt my staying would have only brought me down into a deeper depression. The small town talks, whispers, and stares. I couldn't take it. Of course, everyone knows of my affair by now, and they all know and call me the tramp that has been married five times, no good wench, and it just makes the talk that much juicier when they add it in there that my children stayed behind with Ryan. One third, the other two girls live together. Neither have any desire to want to see me. I will get to see them on FaceTime on occasion, but that's mainly to see my granddaughter more so than to talk with them because they really don't have much to say. As far as they are concerned, I was wrong for what I did, which I do not deny any affair is always wrong. I own that mistake and I admit to that. And they hate me and Kyle even more so for moving out of state. They don't want to see me move on with Kyle, yet it is okay for Ryan to move on with his new girlfriend and will actually take my granddaughter over and take pictures with her. That's the knife that cuts the deepest. This affair has costed me the relationship with my children, but then again did it. I really think they had their mind made up well before they ever found out about Kyle. The girls chose their side, and unfortunately, they did not choose their mother or their biological father, whom both still love them and will do anything in this world for them. What do we not do? We do not cover them in lavish gifts like Ryan and his family. It is all very clear to me. Either way, affair or not, I will always love my children. I have been their mother 23 years. I will be their mother to eternity. No walls, no distance, no affair, no obstacle of any sort will stop my heart from beating for my children and my granddaughter. Instead of praying for a good man in my life now, I just pray that God leads their hearts back to their mother because I need them just as much as they need me. People have affairs for many different reasons, yet all are so similar. They are missing something in their life and in their marriage. When an affair is committed, remember, it affects so many more than just the two being intimate, especially when there are minor children involved. Think before you let those emotions lead you down a path from which you may not return. I am Arissa, and this is my story. Wow. I, once again, struggled to do this story as I was reading it personally, because I could relate to so much she was saying, where it came to the point of the children. And all I can say is, Marissa, you and I have talked quite a bit off and on over the last few months. Um, and I know that um, you've been struggling with this. And just know, I hope and pray for you as well, that your girls can find forgiveness and that they can open up their hearts and their minds to realize that you as a person, as a woman, deserve happiness. And you shouldn't have to sacrifice every little bit of you to please somebody who is hurting you. And it sounds like they just don't want to, maybe you didn't tell them why. Um, maybe they don't understand why or they don't believe you. 
but hopefully as they mature and they get older, and I'm wondering if one is, if maybe the younger one or the older one, I don't know, are they just kind of feeding off of each other because one feels one way, the other one doesn't, or does rather and wants to follow? I don't know. But as they get older and start dealing with their own relationships, I'm hoping that they come to realize, holy crap, you know, mom put up with a lot. I don't blame her for what she did because, you know, it it appears to me in this story that you just couldn't catch a break. And, you know, to go along with my last midweek ponder, this is not, and I'm saying this to everybody, this woman did not play victim. If she was playing victim the whole time, she would have started doing things from the get-go, but she didn't. She stuck in there. She tried to do everything she could to make these relationships work, including staying with a man who was blatantly obsessed with screwing around and was too worried about his own reputation than rather fix the problem. And, you know, just like anybody, you can only put up with so much before you have that breaking moment. And so the fact, Marissa, that you have moved in to another, you and Kyle are together, and you're working towards your future. And it just warms my heart to know that your boy messages you and tells you he loves you every day. That is amazing. And he is a good boy, I can tell right there, because he loves and respects his mom. And again, we'll just keep praying that your girls will come around because they need you. They do. And I'm sure they miss you. And they may want to come back and, and maybe they're afraid that too much damage is done or they don't want to admit their own faults. But, you know, as we get older and our children get older, they realize no matter what, you love your children, no matter what. And so... I can also see in your words that you're struggling to maybe even forgive yourself for what happened. Um, And if that's the case, it's okay to forgive yourself. It's okay. And you're in a good place and you're heading in the right direction. And thank you so much for opening up your life and your story to all of us and sharing with us all those different things that you had to endure. So I'm thinking of you. Thank you all for joining us today for this episode. If you have a story you would like to share, if you're a woman who has stepped out on her marriage or uh, on your boyfriend, partner, and you would like to share your story Feel free to send it in. It's always anonymous. And again, people that send these in actually say they were surprised at how therapeutic it actually was for them to write it out. I've had people um, message me in the middle of their stories, kind of panicking because it's bringing back memories. And But they still say they want to continue writing their story because they need to get it out. They can get it out. It helps them and it helps other people. If you're a husband and your wife has stepped out on your marriage or your girlfriend and 
you want to share what you went through when you knew or were finding out or what happened afterwards from when she cheated and you want to write it out? I would love to hear your story. Even if you're a man who has cheated and you are going through a lot of emotions as to why you chose to cheat and you want to submit your story, send them in. I accept all of those. And uh, I just appreciate everybody tuning in and being so supportive. Also, keep an ear out for August 8th when I actually release a special episode of the interview with the CSO of the controversial website, Ashley Madison. Married people seek out other married people for affairs. And as I've mentioned before, this was real um, hard for me to decide to go ahead and go forward with it, but I'm very glad I did because I learned a lot more. And you know me, I'm always saying no judgment. Well, of course you hear this and you automatically judge. And I totally felt guilty. So more coming in on that. So August 8th. But until next time, thank you all for listening. Stay happy, stay healthy, and always remember, no judgment. Goodbye.